0: You know, Apostle Paul said in Acts twenty twenty, "I did not hold back anything to you, that was profitable to you." And by the grace of God, that's what I'm going to try to do this week. And I want to say I am so grateful to be able to come to you by uh, video. You know, the doctor says I've lost fifty percent of my lung capacity years ago. My dad smoke when I was a kid about two packs a day and we lived in a little two-room house so it just didn't seem wise for me to uh, <clears throat> get on an airplane and this type of thing and and uh, Neil and the directors out there were so gracious to allow me to come to you in this way and I hope this will be very effective to you and I am I am so thankful to Neil Walker and and Melinda and Jeremy and Katie and Aaron and those of you out there have been such dear friends, and then Brian and Jennifer Zuniga and the crew from California Baptists, and then Paul and Christy, those of you from uh, Chico, and I am grateful to have this privilege to speak to you. Now, I've been asked the first night, and by the way, you have your little booklets. Uh, You'll notice in the first... If you'll open it up. By the way, I'd suggest the first thing you do is write your name on it, okay? And then inside on the first sheet is just a blank sheet. And you can take notes on that. There may be some verses and things you'd want. But I'm going to be talking to you tonight. And I've been asked to do something more of a biographical nature. And I want to share in doing that some of the decisions that I made in college that have affected my life. And I could tell you other things about happened since then, maybe tell you a little bit, but I want to talk to you especially because the college years are so very, very important, and that's where you are. <clears throat> I think I became a Christian when I was about uh, possibly seven, eight, nine, somewhere, I don't know exactly, in a small church, but I wasn't baptized, didn't have anyone to help me, and later uh, we moved a short time thereafter, and then when I was about 14, I was in church one night, and I thought, I'm not a Christian. And the pastor had given an invitation, those of you who want to become Christians, so I went down, and I thought, now I'm a Christian. But nobody really helped me to grow, and I went away to college at Texas A&M, and, and I can remember thinking one night as a group of us were having a discussion in the dorm, I don't know if I'm a Christian or not. But I want to start back with the very first week of college and <clears throat> at Texas A&M at that time they said if you're Baptist you go this way if you're Methodist you go this way or Catholic and they took us to the different student centers and I'd never heard of the Baptist Student Union and today in many places it's called Christian Challenge and I love that name because it's far more than just Baptist and so uh, I went over to the student center and I'd never heard of them and I thought well I'd like to come back here and uh, they told us uh basically what they did and heard some testimonies so I remember the very first day of class uh, a fellow knocked on my door and invited me to go over to the Baptist Student Center and so I thought I really want to do that so later that day I'm talking with my roommate and I said hey why don't we right after dinner we were going over there and we just had about a 20-25 they did each night right after dinner before we'd start studying so I said to my roommate why don't you go with me and he said oh man I need to study and a buddy was in the room and both of them said oh no we don't have time we need to study and I was trying to get into veterinary medical school and at that time they only took 64 boys there's only at that time one veterinary medical school for all of Texas and Louisiana And they only took 64 boys, so it was very competitive. I knew I had to make very good grades. I needed to study very hard. But I thought, Lord, if I don't have the time for my spiritual life, maybe that's not where you want me, but I'm going to go. So I went over to the meeting at night, and it was a tremendous time. I was walking back to the dorm. I came back to my room, and there were those two guys still sitting there just talking. They hadn't studied at all. And I just thought, yeah, I made the right decision. And I decided that night I am going to go uh, to that Christian organization, and I would challenge you, those of you out there, really hang in tight with a group. You know, Hebrews thirteen seven says, "Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God." Look at the uh, notice the outcome of their life, and you look at the leaders you have, and and on your campuses. I don't know of any campuses that I think have better leadership than you guys have. And whatever you do, don't get too busy to really hang in meeting with them when they meet. And uh, I think it'll it'll be something that'll be very valuable to you. And then in Hebrews 13, 27, it says, Obey your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider... uh, Obey your leaders and submit to them for their keeping watch over your soul as those who will have to give account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief for that would not be profitable to you. Now you notice two things from these two verses. Uh, excuse me, it's Hebrews 13, 7 and Hebrews 13, 17. Uh, and these two verses, remember your leaders, look at the outcome, look at their lives and then obey them because they are keeping watch over your souls. And I know these leaders you have, that's what they do. They pray for you. They care for you. They do what they can to help you to grow and walk with God. And so another decision I made, that was a decision I made the very first week I was in school. And I decided the first week I was in school, I'm going to be in Sunday school and church. And I did. And I continued that through my my college year. And let me just say this to you. I know many college students have to decide every Saturday night if they're going to get up and go to Sunday school church. You know, if your church has Sunday school, they have church, I would encourage you to go. You know, I maybe have driven in from a retreat and gotten in at two o'clock in the morning, but it's not debatable where I'll be on Sunday morning. And you need to hang in with your Christian group on campus and with your church. And I think every university students needs those two things he needs a good local church where the word of god is preached where he can have fellowship with other people and know some adults and then with his christian organization also about that first week or it may have been the second week my lab professor in one of my classes came by he was a graduate student and he was selling magazines and he had a magazine here and he said here's one you might be interested in and it was a Playboy magazine. When I saw what it was, I told him, no, I'm not interested, and I made a decision that day that as long as I lived, I'd never look at a Playboy magazine, and I've kept that vow. I've never looked at one. Now, I've gone into guys' rooms in the athletic dorm where they're plastered all over the wall, and, and if you, know, you can't help but see some things, but I decided that's one thing I would not do. Make some decisions while you're in college that will help you for the rest of your life. You know, I remember, too, that freshman year, one night we always had a thing called Love, Courtship, Marriage Week. And our director's wife was speaking, and I never will forget her three points because one of the things I did, and I encourage you to do, is take notes when you go to church. You know, I know when I went to college, if I went into a class and didn't take good notes and tried to walk in six weeks later, I didn't have a chance to pass the test. And psychologists say you forget 90% of what you hear within 24 hours. So take notes. I still have notes that I took in college, messages and things I've heard. I know one I could pull out and look at, and I could speak to you about that today. And so I would encourage you to take notes. So I did that. I remember her three points were your God, your goal, and your gal. And he said your God, and he talked about our relationship to God, and then your goal: where are you headed in life? And then about your girlfriend. And I remember walking up to her after that, and I said, Ellen, you know I'm 500 miles away from home. I don't have money. I don't have a car. This is an all men's school at the time. I really don't have much time time now to be dating and I'm on a campus where there are a lot of lost people I think I need to be concentrating on trying to walk with God get into vet school and do what I can to share the gospel here but you know Ellen I don't think the fact that I can't be dating right now is going to limit God from being able to give me the right person at the right time she said Max I agree with you but you'll just have to prove it in your own life. And I can remember walking back to the dorm at night and just praying, Lord, in due time, would you give me someone of black like heart? Now, I want to tell you a story along that line. I'm home one summer, and uh, I'm going at our church. We had a thing called Training Union right before church where people, a group of college students, they there were probably 12 or 15 of us from different campuses there that night. And we were talking about our college experiences and things and I was sharing with them because I was beginning to learn about witnessing and begin witness on campus and I was sharing some of those experiences and I noticed one of the girls over there a very attractive girl seemed very interested and I thought yeah Max (laughs) uh, (coughs) it's because she's so cute that you're so interested but I thought no just looking around she seemed very interested in what I was saying so I thought Here I was at A&M and, you know, don't date there. So maybe I'll ask her for a date. So I prayed about it and felt peace. That is as much peace as you can feel when you're scared to death to ask a girl for a date. So I asked her for a date that week. And uh, I'm getting ready to go on a date. Mom comes in and she said she knew I had a date. She said, what are you going to do tonight? And I said, well, Mom if we could do what I wanted to do, we'd just go somewhere and get a Coke and talk about what we were talking about Sunday night. She said, son, you need to learn something about girls. They don't just like to do what you and your buddy. I, meantime, I'd found a, a young high school student. I'd never heard about disciple making, that, but I'd started meeting with him, and because I was growing, I was sharing with him, and she said, now, girls are not like you and your old buddy Palmer. They don't just like to read the Bible and pray all the time. Well, I didn't either, but anyway. Uh, she said, they like to do fun things. And so I'm driving up there that night, and in our town there were two movies. So when I picked her up, I said, uh, you know, there are two movies in town, and this is showing at one theater and this is the other. What would you like to do? She said, well, if we could do what... I would really like to do, if it's okay with you, could we just go somewhere and get something to drink and talk about what we were talking about Sunday night? I said, sure, we could do that. So we did that, and then I pulled up in front of her house to let her out of the car, and she started crying. And I thought, what in the world? I said, what's wrong? She said, I didn't know there were guys like you still around. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, you know, my dad was killed in the war. And so mom had to work, and we were left alone quite a bit. And then she married again, and I had, a, I had a, a stepfather, and he was killed in an automobile accident. said my mom was trying to make a living for my brother and I, and so she said uh, while she was working, guys used to come over to our house. And she said, I've done some things I'm really not proud of. But she said then when I started the college, some, guys, some girls in the dorm where I was having a Bible study, and they were going over to this Christian meeting uh, at the Baptist Student Center, and they invited me. I started going. I went to the Bible study, and she said, I became a Christian. She said, I was so excited. And she said, one night, the president of that Christian organization, the BSU, asked me for a date. And she said, I was so excited. I thought, boy, I'm going to get to date a real spiritual guy. And she said, we went out on our date. He couldn't keep his hands off of me. Said he is just said he pawed all over me. He said he is just like all the other guys that I'd ever dated. She said, I never dreamed there were guys like you still around. Well, I went home that night praying and I thought, God, in due time, you will lead me to someone of like heart. What I have to concentrate on is walking with you, being what you want me to be. And in due time, you will give me someone of like heart. Now, I never dated that girl again. She went back to her school. I went back to school. I think God used that to teach me something. And I think he used it to really bring some encouragement in a young lady's life. And so God began to do some things in my life. I went home, as I mentioned, one summer. I would never heard anybody talking that I ever could remember about disciple-making or finding somebody to build into their life. But one Sunday I'm at church, and I notice in the choir they're all adults, and there's one high school kid there. And I thought, well, he must have some interest in God, or he wouldn't be up there with all those adults. And so that night after church I asked him, and I said, would you like to go out and get a Coke or something and let's talk? I'd like to share with you some things I've been learning in college. And he said, Sure. So we began to spend time together. He'd come out the house, and I was memorizing verses. I began to help him memorize verses. I was at, back at school. I had wanted to witness. I remember one night I was praying. And I said, God, I want to be the man you want me to be. I want to do what you want me to do. And I knew God wanted me to be a witness. And I said, Lord, when I get my veterinary hospital, I'm going to try to make enough money to personally send a missionary. And I thought God would really be interested in that. But I sensed he wasn't. He said, I want you to be a witness here now. And that scared me. So I picked up a little New Testament that a Sunday school teacher gave me years before. And we'd written four verses on the flyleaf. Romans 3.23, all of sin comes short of the glory of God. Romans 6:23, the wages of sin is death, the gift of God's eternal life. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And in Acts 16, 30 and 31, those four verses. And so I started down the hall. I saw a door open and a fellow sitting there. And I thought, I need to witness to him. But I, I was scared. And so i going down the hall. I read the bulletin board. I come back and look at him again. I go to the it, I get a drink. I go read the bulletin board. I get a drink. I don't know how many times I walked up and down before I could just knock on his door sill. Say, hey, I'm an Aggie here like you are, but I want to tell you what Jesus has done for me. And that was the beginning for me. <clears throat> and the boy lived in the room next door, went to our meetings with us, and he said, uh, Came in one night, and he said, Max, I've never led anybody to the Lord. I said, You haven't, just like I was an old pro at it or something. And I said, Would you like to? And he said, Sure. I said, Well, I would too. So why don't we go witness every night? And we'll keep doing that until somebody becomes a Christian. So let's start tonight. And he said, Man, I got a paper due to tomorrow. And I said, Well, I got a test. But it won't take long, so we started. It wasn't long until somebody did become a Christian. Then another one became a Christian, and other guys became a Christian. And We got every night at 10 o'clock, we'd quit studying and go witness. And we were seeing about two people a week except the Lord for about a year and a half, and God was really doing a work in, in our lives. One of the things somebody told me one day said, if you can write verses on these little cards, you can memorize them. And this guy had gone to moody bible institute so i started getting verses and i'd read and you know i'd be reading over here in galatians or someplace and and one of the things i began to do was really read the bible and and then i'd find a good verse, and i think i need to memorize that so i started memorizing them now <clears throat> i grew up in high school going to the movies every saturday night so when i came to college i'd just walk over there's a movie close to the campus And one Saturday night, I was walking over there to go to the movies, and I stopped under a tree, and I thought, you know, I really hadn't had much time this week reading the Bible. And it'd probably be better if I, instead of going to the movie, if I'd just go back to my room and read the Bible. But I wanted to go to the movie, and I thought, I stood there for quite a while, and I thought and I prayed, and I finally thought, I'm going to do what I know I ought to do. I went back to the room, I got my Bible, and I began to read. Now, if you could have walked into that room about two hours after that, you would have seen one happy Aggie because God began to speak to me, so I began to spend more time just reading the Bible. And you know, I, and I'd encourage you while you're in college, spend time in the Word. Develop, and we'll talk more about that later, but a daily time to read the Bible. And by the way, it's legitimate to read the Bible more than once a day. And you might read it a little in the morning, but if you've got some time after class, and you know, I wish I'd have discovered this earlier, but my senior year in college, I never picked up a a book to study for my school lesson, but what I first spent time in the Word. Because I think sometimes maybe you have three hours to study, you don't really get three hours worth of good studying. And so I found I want everything to be right between me and God. So I'd first spend time reading the Bible, praying. It may be 10 minutes. It may be 15 minutes. Maybe sometime I was having a great time. It may turn out to be 30 minutes or longer. And then after that, I said, now, God, I got to study this chemistry. I don't know much about it, but you know all about it. And then hit it hard. And I just found that was really, really a great plan for me. So spend time in the Word. You know, someone said to know books without knowing the book is the chiefest ignorance. And I believe that's true. The greatest book there is in the world is the Bible. That will give you more help than anything you will ever come across. So spend time getting to know God. God has spoken. Sometimes people say, well, I wish God would speak to me. Well, he has if you've got a Bible. You just have to read it. And so I began to do that. And as I mentioned, I began to write these verses on cards. And I go over and over them and trying to memorize them. And God really used that in my life. Now, we began to get many invitations to go to other campuses to share what God was doing at Texas A&M. So that was just a super time. And I'm grateful for that. And that's one of the things, while you're in school, you're around people that need to know Jesus. And we'll talk some more about that, but we began to get all these invitations to go to other campuses. And so as we prayed about we had a retreat one weekend. We really prayed about it and felt like two students <clears throat> ought to drop out of school for one year and just go to college campuses speaking, trying to help people in the area of witnessing. And so we did that <clears throat> as we prayed, The group felt like that I and another fellow should drop out of school. A man in Houston bought us a used car, and we started going to campuses. And we would go. Sometime we were there three days. Sometime we were maybe there five days. But we'd go in, speak to the students, and say, if you want to go witness, we will take it and then we'd help them out to have a quiet time, have them start memorizing verses, and those were tremendous days. And so, excuse me just a moment. i got to get a drink. So, we would travel and speak. One time we were at the University of Houston, and a girl said, to us uh, I have this Jewish friend and he's over in the dorm would y'all go over and witness to him and she said it's okay for you to use my name because I've been trying to talk to him so we go over and we're knocking on his door and a guy comes in down the end of the hall and he said just a minute and we're knocking on that's the fellow that lives in this room and he'd been out on and in our murals and So he said, what do you guys want? And we said, well, we're just two Aggies, and we want to share what Jesus has done for us, and can we talk with you for a minute? And he said, "That no. He said, I've got to get a shower, and I've got to uh, hurry. And he said, well, if you'll hurry. So we took just a moment and uh, tried to share the gospel with him. And I can remember as we walked down the hall thing and and saying to my roommate, as far as I can tell, we did absolutely no good. All we did was just make no impression on him, but it's right to try, and we tried. And so we prayed for him, and a few years later, I'm in seminary at the time, and a girl that's in a carpool with me said, were you at First Baptist Church in Dallas tonight? And I said, no, I happened to be at another church. And she said, well, there was a a Jewish evangelist at Dr. W.A. Criswell that had to come speak. And he gave his testimony how he became a Christian. And he said, one day I was coming in off Athletic Field, and two Aggies were knocking on my door. And he said, I wasn't even nice to them. But he said, they told me about Jesus. And I thought, why would two absolute strangers be willing to come talk to me? And he said, it bothered me, and I kept thinking about it. And he said, finally, I went to a friend that I knew as a Christian, and that person led him to the Lord. And so you never know when you witness. You know, sometimes you're just one in the length of a chain. And so the point of it is everybody we meet needs to know Jesus. So we traveled, and I'll share an experience or so with you. One night— uh, we've been in uh, Richmond, Virginia, speaking, and I had the flu, and we got this call from a, a, a girl that led the ministry at Moorhead, Kentucky, and she said, I've heard about you guys. Would you come lead a witnessing clinic on our campus? And uh, and the, my roommate said, well, no, Max has the flu, and we next week we have a commitment to go back to another campus where we've been before kind of a follow-up visit and so that week i had the flu and so i just stayed in bed and about any time i was awake i just tried to be praying because it's getting towards the last of the semester and so one day she called again she said you know i think god wants to do something on my campus is there any chance so i took a phone i said skip why don't we split up you go back to the other campus and i'll go to moorhead kentucky so we did that, and I got there. And on a Saturday night, I'm in a <clears throat> a restaurant, and I'm uh, I'm being served by this waitress. And when I start to leave, I I wanted a chance to witness to her, but she was back in the kitchen or somewhere. And some pastor had given me two tracks. I'd already given one of them away, and I'm just trying to learn everything I can about witnessing. I just had one left. But i thought yeah i'm going to put it down i put a tip on it where she'd be sure and pick it up and with that i left <clears throat> well i went to the little witnessing clinic and there's just five or six students or so just very few there and i shared with them about witnessing and so uh the next day uh was sunday we didn't have any more meetings other than church and We met back on Monday night and then invited some of their friends. And so we had about 15 that night. So I go in there, and I start speaking about, and I can see they're scared to death to witness. And I said, well, why don't you guys go ahead of me over to the dorm? There were two men's dorms, two women's dorms on that campus at the time. I said, go one of the dorm, knock on the doors, get the guys to come down to the lobby, and I'll kind of give a testimony. And you watch and see the ones that are interested. And then you can follow them to the room, witness to them. I thought that'd help break the ice for them. And so I go over there about 10 o'clock. I said, I'll be over there. I said at the little witnessing clinic. And I said, I'll be over to the dorm about 10. I go over there and there are guys all over the place. I couldn't believe it. So I said to one of the guys, uh, <clears throat> I said, how would you get all these people here? He said, oh, we just knocked on the door and told everybody we were having a dorm meeting. And I said, did you tell them the nature of the meeting? He said, no. We just told them we were having a meeting. Well, they thought the dorm master had called a meeting. It's the end of the semester, and if you hadn't, if you've broken a window or you hadn't done something, you don't get your grades. They thought it was a compulsory meeting. And so I, I said, guys, <coughs> If you're here and you were deceived in the reason you're here, you can leave right now and it will not hurt my feelings. But if you stay for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to tell you about Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you how he changed my life. I'm going to tell you how he can change your life. And before you leave, let me tell you this. If Jesus doesn't change your life, you're going to mess up your life. And you know what? You're going to marry a girl and you're going to mess up her life. And you're going to have kids, and you're going to mess up their life. So if you want to leave, go right ahead. But that's what we're going to talk about. Well, nobody left. I mean, nobody left. And so for about 20 minutes, I shared the gospel as clearly as I knew how. And I said, why don't we just close in a word of prayer? And I did. And I said, you're free to leave, and I'd like those of you interested to stay, and I can talk with you. Nobody left. I said, well, let me go through this one more time. And so I just shared the gospel as clearly as I knew how. And I said, now, guys, I'm not going to cheapen the gospel to get any of you to say you become a Christian. Because as I understand it, when you ask Jesus to come into your life, he will come in. But you know what? He's going to work on you for the rest of your life to get you to be the man you ought to be. And so finally, <clears throat> I didn't know what else to do. And I knew Romans ten thirteen says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I had my Bible. I just laid it down on the floor, and I said, Now, guys, if you want to be saved, come put your finger on that whosoever and claim this promise. And so they started coming, and they were reaching over each other's shoulder, and there were guys all around. You couldn't even get close to the Bible. And so I just couldn't believe it. I'd never seen anything like this. So we stayed a wee hours of morning dealing with people. The next day, it was all over the campus what had happened. Now, that was on Monday night in finals, were to start on Wednesday morning. And I thought, man, that's that's interesting. So <clears throat> I said to one of the girls, why don't you ask the dorm mom if I can speak in one of the in the girls' dorm. She said, you don't know our dorm mom. There's no way you'll speak in that dorm. I said, well go ask her. The Spirit of God is working and maybe God'll open that door. But would you go ask her? She said, well I'll ask her. I don't think it's doing doing any good. And she said, yeah, I'd be glad to have him come speak. So they invited the girls from one other, the other girls dorm to come, so I'm supposed to be there at 10 o'clock at night. I walk in, or or not 10, I was there about 9 or so, and I go in there, and there are girls all over the place. So as I'm speaking, one girl over here just starts bawling. And then another girl began to cry, and I thought, I don't want this to be some kind of emotional deal. So I just said that. Here's what let's do. I'm gonna lead us in a word of prayer. If you're interested in talking further about becoming a Christian, I want you to walk out the door, have to go down the steps, back underneath, down the hallway. Because the girl that was the BSU director there had just graduated a year before, and she had an office in the basement of the girls' dorm. I said, "So go down there and I'll meet you." And so they started out the dorm. I thought a lot of them would be, and some of them did go back to their dorm, but a lot of them is just turning, going down. All, I mean they're all along the hall. And what I'd wanted to happen was that those that were Christians that break the ice for them, they began and that was happening. You'd see one of the girls, BSU girl, and she'd have a little huddle around. Another one, another one, another one. Three girls sat down on the couch. I began to talk to them and then I looked at my wife and, Oh me, I'm late. I'm supposed to speak at the other men's dorm. I hadn't been in the night before. So I run across the campus and when I get there, same thing people everywhere. Now, this was a TV lounge. They had chairs set up, but there's one chair vacant right in front. Now, are guys standing along the wall back in the doorway, and I thought it's strange that they'd leave that one chair vacant. Now, as I'm speaking, there's a doorway directly behind me, and this guy just comes through. I mean, he didn't know what was going on. He walked right beside me, and then he stood over there and just stood up for a moment right in front of that chair and just looked at me. Just stared, and then he sat down. I went on speaking after a few minutes. He stood up. He said, listen, I'm an atheist. And he said, until tonight, I didn't even believe there was a God. He said, what do I have to do to be saved? I said, you can be saved anywhere, anytime when you'll ask Jesus to come in your life. and Best you know how to turn your life over to him. He said, man, I'd do anything. And he was just trembling like a leaf. So uh, we got on our knees, and we prayed. I mean, all these other guys, you could hear heard a pin drop. We prayed. He got up. I said, what happened? He said, man, I feel like somebody took a weight off my back. I said, great, but did you ask Jesus to come in your life? He said, man, I feel great. I said, now, what happened? Because I wanted him to see. You don't go on your feelings and he said, I said, did you ask Jesus to come in? And he said, yes. I said, what happened? He said, he came in. And I said, that's right, and you can stand on that. So I looked over, and one guy was kneeling over. I later found out he was either a tennis or a golf coach. He's a 26 year old guy. So this guy stands up and begins to give his testimony. And so I just left it in his hand, went over and knelt beside that guy and began to talk with him. And he began to say, he said, guys, you all know what a dorm clown I've been. He said, but I'm not clowning tonight. Why don't you come give your life to Jesus? And I found out later, I don't know how many people accepted the Lord that night. I know the next day they were having about 60 kids down meeting. And now, you know, next day finals were starting. About 60 kids meeting down by the river to pray. One girl goes home that night and her roommate's pouring her whiskey down the drain. And I knew God did a work. And I, I had a list of many, many of those students that I prayed for. And that day, <clears throat> after that first night, I told the, the director of that ministry, I said, you know, I've never seen anything like this. And I need to get alone and just get some time with God. I'm going to go up on the hill, and I'll be down about noon. I went up on the mountain there in the little valley, and I went up on the mountain and just tried to spend time with the Lord. And, you know, sometimes you feel close to God, and I don't think I've ever felt worse in my life. You know, just, God, what do I do? When I came down off the hill that day, I came to the little BSU room, and there's this girl there, and she had this track that she had been that waitress there. And her boyfriend had been saved that Tuesday night in the dorm. And she said, you know, I picked this track up the other night in the restaurant. She said, I read it. It was all wet and crumbly. She said, I've been up all night. How can I be saved? So I talked with her, and that day, I talked to 20 people, either 20 or 21. I don't actually remember, but I know every one of them except one, as far as I could tell, that I talked to individually that accepted the Lord. So God did a, a tremendous thing. So I came back to a to go back to school. Now, when I dropped out for a year, Mom and Dad were afraid I'd never go back to school. And I promised them, I will. And I went back, and and I began to pray. I wonder, Lord, uh, this veterinary medicine stuff, when I hit chemistry and physics, they had a hard time putting a course together I could get through. And I began to see. I loved the animal part. I grew up with animals. I loved to show animals and things. So I I thought, at that time, the way you... And you had to stand in line to register and all that. And I'd been praying for a long time, God, if you'll show me what to do, I'll do it. And I I just, standing in that long line, I said, God, when I get to the first of this line, if I feel peace, I'm going to change my major. And I had tremendous peace. Now, that sounds like a sudden decision, but I'd been praying about that for a long time. So I changed my major, got in the major I really liked, made A in every course I ever took in that field, And God began to do something. When I came back, I really began to pray. Now, let me say this right after that time at uh, at one of the campuses, after Moorhead, Kentucky, now not all the schools get out at the same time. So I went to Tennessee Tech. I spoke there, and I noticed there's five or six guys there, and they lived in a house right off the campus. And they were involved in the BSU. So the last night I was there, before I was leave next day to go to Ridgecrest, North Carolina for a student conference. It's kind of like Glorietta was, but that was back in North Carolina. And so I thought, uh, Lord, I really want to go to that conference. And so as I was meeting with those guys that night, I was catch a bus the next morning at 5 o'clock. So I began to talk with them. I said, guys, you may be interested in walking with God while I'm here. But if you don't start getting into the Word, you don't start memorizing verses, you won't make it. And so I really challenged them, and so I met with them at about 3 o'clock in the morning. I had to catch that bus the next morning about 5, and I thought, if I lay down, I'll never catch that bus. So I just wrote some letters, caught the bus at 5, went to Ridgecrest. And while I was there, while I was at Ridgecrest, there was a fellow there, excuse me just a second, (coughs) <clears throat> there was a fellow there by the name of uh, Waylon Moore. <clears throat> but while I was there, one day this guy I knew from Texas as being a BSU director said, uh, hey, there's a guy here from the Billy Graham team. He's worked with Billy Graham, and he's going to be speaking to some of my students. Would you like to, uh, to come? And I said, Sure. So I go over there and there were five or six of us sitting in that room. And this guy had begun to tell us something about Dawson Trotman. Now that night when I met with those guys at three o'clock in the morning when I left, I said, guys, you know, I've got to work this summer in order to go to school. And I know you do. So why don't we just maybe move to some city? <clears throat> Let's get jobs. We'll join a church and at night we'll read the Bible, we'll pray. We'll memorize verses. I'll teach you everything I know about God. Maybe may not be much more than you know, but I'll teach you everything I know. So we talked about doing that. So the next day I go, and this guy said, hey, there's a guy here from the Billy Graham team. And so it was Waylon Moore, and that day as we sat there, he began to tell us about Dawson Trotman, who started the Billy Graham follow-up team. He started the Navigators, and he said that Dawson was a guy that, he would have young men live with him, said they'd work during the day, said at night they'd read the Bible and pray, memorize verses, and he'd teach them everything. I could not believe it. It's just like somebody had taped what I'd said the night before. I'm telling you, I had already been trying to do that because as I see people come to know the Lord at a and we were trying to help them to grow. But when Waylon said that, it's just like the fog lifted. I thought, I know what I need to do with the rest of my life. So I had breakfast with Waylon the next morning. i never forget, he shared two verses with me. He said and shared Isaiah 48, 18, and he shared Deuteronomy five twenty-nine. And I memorized those two verses over 50 years ago when I had met him. And so I went back to Ennium praying, God, give me a man. If I never lead but one other guy to the Lord my whole life, I want to see somebody that really goes on for you. Now, I want to lead a lot of people, but I began to pray that God would give me a guy. One night I'm in church, and this freshman uh, comes down. He joins the church, uh, or the pastor's spending some time with him. The guy's speaking. It's obvious he's becoming a Christian. And so I wait, and they introduce him. I'm the last one in line to go by to welcome him into the church. And I said, David did you accept the Lord? And he said, yeah, I think I really did. And I said, well, what happened to you is what Jesus called a new birth. And you know, that's the beginning of a new life. And so I've been a Christian a number of years. And one thing that I'd like to do is help you to grow if you'd be interested in that. He said, oh yeah, I'd like that. So we leave the church and the Baptist Student Center was right across the street. So we walk over I said, now, David, let's go over this again. I went over the gospel. Are you sure you became a Christian? Well, I think so. Went over the gospel. We prayed again. Went over some verses on assurance. And I said, David, I have to be out of town the next two days. But when I get back, I'd like to come by your room, try to help you. He said, I'll be up late, study, and come by. I went by his room, and he said, you know what I was just sitting here wondering about before you walked in the door? And I said, no, what's that? And he said, how can you be real sure if you're a Christian? I thought, isn't that interesting? Because two days before he would accepted the Lord, and already Satan had been working. And we'd gone over, given him some help. And I saw the value then of how important it is for young Christians to get the help when they need it. So we began to help him to grow. <clears throat> and i uh, he was next to the oldest of 11 children. He was having to work his way through school. So he worked at the dining hall. And he had two 30-minute segments from 8 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. He could do what he wanted to do. And I asked him if he'd give me one of those 30-minute segments. And uh, so he did. Now, I was BSU president, but I didn't even tell him about the BSU. I didn't want him to come right then because I didn't want somebody to ask him to be on some committee or something. He didn't need to be on. I wanted to help him to grow. So on the way to the dining hall, I'd go to his little chapel, and I'd meet him, and I'd see him coming. And so I shared with him verses, and we'd study. And boy, I tell you, after about two weeks, I told him everything I knew for sure and something I only suspected. So, But sometime he'd ask a question, and we'd talk or we'd read. So I met with him for 30 minutes, and we'd do that day after day after day. He went back to his dorm. He was a freshman, and, you know, the upperclassmen then, that those that were in the Corps, could throw their boots in, and freshmen had to shine them, and freshmen hated that. So he'd go late at night and knock on the upperclassmen door and say, you got any boots that I can shine? And everybody in dorm 16 knew something had happened to Fish Jacobs. And pretty soon he brought over another guy and he accepted the Lord. Then another guy came over and he accepted the Lord. Those two guys I still have contact with today and they're still walking with God. And years later, I got a call from this first boy, David's pastor. He said, Max, I've been a pastor all these years said, I've never had another church member like him because he had just gotten some help when he was a young Christian. He knew how to walk with God. <clears throat> now, let me tell you another story I think you'll be interested in. I know you love stories. I'm home my senior year or my junior year uh, or so, I guess senior year, and I, I'm praying one night. It's Christmas. I'm sitting in the living room or in the kitchen reading my Bible. My mom comes in and she says, son, you need to go to bed. You look bad. You know, said, you're so thin. Well, I've never looked any way but bad my whole life. So I went in and went to bed, but after a while, mom and dad were asleep, I didn't feel like this was wrong or anything. I just felt like God was tugging in my heart to spend time with him. So I get up and go in the kitchen, turn on the light, and I begin to read. And that night, I felt particularly led to pray about a wife. And so as I began to pray, I'm reading through Proverbs. I come to Proverbs 18:22. It says, he, now this was a King James. And by the way, let me say this. <clears throat> when I was in college, that was the Bible. There wasn't a New American, N I V E S V. all these in the later part of life. Right after the earth crust cooled, all we had was a King James. So if you memorize something out of one translation, don't memorize it out of another. You wind up not knowing it neither. So some of the verses I quote, that I memorize in King James, that's the way I review them. Those I memorize in recent years I've done in the New American Standard or you can do ESV or whatever. But anyway, that happened to be the King James. It says, he that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. And so I noticed this. He that finds a wife finds a good thing. Well, immediately a verse popped in my mind I'd memorized some time before. Psalms eighty four eleven. the Lord God is a son and a shield the Lord will give grace and glory no good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly now there was that good thing again and then another verse popped in my mind I'd memorized Psalm 34 10 the Lord <clears throat> uh, the young lions do like and suffer hunger but they that seek the Lord shall not want for any good thing now look back at that those verses and it says, He that finds a wife finds a good thing. And one of them says, He that walks uprightly. And the other one said, He that seeks the Lord. So it said, God's going to answer if you walk uprightly and seek him. And so I began to pray, Lord, you know I haven't done that perfectly. But I can honestly say for the, about the last three and a half years, that's what I've tried to do. I've tried to seek you and I've tried to walk uprightly. So tonight, I'm claiming your promise. And then I noticed in the next chapter in Proverbs 19:14 it says, Houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. You may inherit houses and land <clears throat> from your parents, but a mate, a godly mate is a gift from the Lord. So I disclaimed that. I still have those notes I wrote that night and that God, tonight I'm claiming your promise. Now, I'm not saying God will ever tie those same verses together for another person just like that, but I am telling you that if you'll seek God, God will do plenty in your life and give you promises and give you guidance. And so I knew that in due time, God would fulfill that. So it was probably a couple of years later before I met Sandra, and when I met her, You know, I knew she hadn't had the privileges I had. I knew she was a Christian. I could see that I thought she had a heart for the Lord, but I dated her, and I thought, now if she doesn't really begin to respond to this thing of discipling people, I don't intend to to date her uh, because I want to be sure I have a woman of black heart. Well, she really began to respond after that year in college. And by the way, some of you in college, you're so concerned about, what you're majoring in. And that that can be very important. Uh, And a lot of you wonder, well, what's the next step? Well, I remember two weeks before I graduated, we're walking back from class and those of us in the same field, animal husbandry, we're talking, one of the guys said, Max, what are you gonna do? And I think there were about 17 of us in that that particular major in that class that year of the seniors. And nearly every one of them, one guy was going to be a cattle buyer and another guy was going to run this feedlot, another guy who worked on the ranch, and they all had jobs. And one of them said, Max, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. He said, man, you better be finding out. We're graduating in two weeks. And I remember going back to my room. I was so discouraged in a way. I thought, God, you know, I've tried to witness those guys. As far as I know, I'm the only one that's trying to walk with you. And yet I'm the only one that don't know, doesn't know what I'm gonna do. And so God put on my mind on my mind that if, if you'd have told me a year before I'd be going to seminary, I'd said, you're crazy. <clears throat> but God put that in my mind because I knew God had wanted me to do student work and I knew some uh, with some of the leaders in our convention and things that would be important to them that I have a seminary degree. I didn't know where I would wind up but I knew one thing I wanted to give my life to discipling people and so that's what I began to do and so I went for a year seminary and here again God will take verses that you memorize and things and allow you to have experiences with them I remember one day my evangelism professor said Max would you go with me on Saturday? We'll drive over to Louisiana, and I'm going to speak on Sunday morning. And uh, you stay and speak on Sunday night, and I'm going to fly that afternoon up to the, for the Southern Baptist Convention. And At that time, we didn't have classes on Monday at seminary. And so uh, he said, You can drive my car back on Monday. And I thought, Man, that's great. I want to get some time with him. So I told him I'd do that. So then I go to class, and uh, I see one of my buddies, and he said, Boy, Max, we're sure looking forward to you speaking. And it was, happened to be close to Wichita Falls. It was a little place called Joy, Texas. He said, I, I'm looking forward to you speaking at our youth rally on Saturday night. And I said, No, that's Friday night. He said, No, it's Saturday night. I said, No, I'm going to be in Louisiana on Saturday night. That's, that rally is on Friday night. He said, Max, I'm on the committee that invited you. I know when it is. It's Saturday night. And I thought, oh, no. I told him what happened. He said, which one of those engagements did you take first? I said, Joy, Texas. He said, that's where I think you ought to be. And I said, I do, too. So I'll be there. Now i got to go tell my professor. How's he going to get his car back from Louisiana, you know? And so I'm on the way. And I think, oh, God, I don't see how I can get out of this with a good testimony. And I really hated to tell him that. So I'm walking over there, and Psalm 5015 just pops into my mind that I'd memorized back in college. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will glorify me. And that verse just popped into my mind, and I thought, call upon me in a day of trouble. God, this is a day of trouble. So I'm calling on you. I don't know how you're going to do it, but would you glorify your name? So I go tell my professor, I said, sir, I hate to tell you this, but I made a mistake. He said, what'd you do? I said, I can't go with you to Louisiana on Saturday night. And just as serious as he could be, he said, why? And I told him, and he started laughing, and he just laughed and laughed. What's going on? He said, Max, I am so tired. I am literally worn out. And I was talking to that pastor this week, and I told him I'm driving over on Saturday with one of my seminary students. He said, what in the world are you doing driving all this way over here? You get on the airplane. You fly over here, and we'll pay for it. He said, Max, I've been trying to think all week how I could tell you I don't want you to go with me. And you know, you begin to, if you will begin to memorize verses, spending time with the Lord, things give you, you'll memorize verses. You may not know how God's going to use that in the future. But I tell you, and I've often said this, and I'm going to be doing a workshop uh, on scripture memory for you, those of you who I wouldn't, I've often said I wouldn't take a million dollars for the verses that I just memorized in college because God has so used that in my life. My last year in college, I decided I'm going to really get serious about this scripture memory thing. So I memorized a verse a day, and we'd review 74 every day. I had one new one and 74 old ones I'm going to review every day. I did that for eight months. I It nearly killed me, but I did it. And then it's right before finals, and I thought, well, I'm going to knock off this week. And then I'll knock off finals week. And then I'll knock off. And, you know, it's been a a struggle to be consistent. Once you get a habit going, keep it. Now, I don't recommend that you do one a week. I think that's probably too many. But I needed to do that for a while. And I just say to you, because not all of you will be in a workshop. There will be some other great workshops. But if you, you know, especially now, Maybe some of you could do two or three a week, but even if you do one a week, at the end of a year, you got 52. If you did that for 10 years, you'd have 520 verses. And for most of you, that wouldn't even be a challenge to do one a week. I mean, you could do that. And then I tried to review them every day. I started out trying to review them every day for six weeks. I found out that wasn't long enough. I moved to two months. And now, as I get older, my mind's not as sharp as it once was. I now try to review them every day for three months. Now, see if you're just doing one a week and you you do it for three months, you only have 12 verses, new verses that you have to review every day. So that's what I've done. And I just encourage you, make some decisions while you're in college that will serve you well for the rest of your life. So that's, that's what I've done, and uh, those are some of the decisions. There are others along the way that I've made, but uh, that's something of my history. And then I got out of seminary. I went for a year, and then I moved, and I found while I was in seminary, I had a terrific ministry with other guys, even going into ministry, that don't memorize verses, that don't have a quiet time, And then I moved to Dallas and started doing student work at the medical school, a couple of the nursing schools. And Sandra and I got married. We stayed there for a year and a half. And then we moved uh, from from Dallas to uh, to Norman, Oklahoma, where I spent 37 and a half years as baby student director. Resigned in 2004 and having the time of my life. I tell you, the older you get, and you walk with the Lord, the better it gets. So continue to walk with God all of your life. So that's something of my story. God bless you, and I look forward to our other times together.